Job 41 through 5. Then the Lord said to Job, Do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You are God's critic, but do you have the answers? Then Job replied to the Lord, I am nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I have said too much already. I have nothing more to say. Job 42, 1 through 6. When Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. You asked, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I, and I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen and I will speak. I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. It is amazing to see those girls up here reading scripture because, uh, Charlotte, it didn't seem that long ago that Brenda and I were taking care of them as infants, uh, newborns in the nursery during our prayer time, uh, during the prayer ministry. And wow, what a blessing to see the twins reading parallel scriptures that lead us into the final message on the book of Job. We've been talking about in our study of the book of Job, preaching through that book, life as it really is, according to the book of Job. It, I tell you, you read the book of Job and you have to be real. We talked about seeing God as He really is. We talked about recognizing who the real enemy is. And I would remind you, it's not the person sitting next to you it's not another person at all. We talked about who your real friends are. And my conclusion with you concerning real friends is that other than the Lord, the only real friend in the book of Job is Job himself. I, I mentioned to you that none of Job's friends ever prayed for Job. They talked about Job but they never talked to God about Job. The only praying friend in the book of Job was Job himself. We talked last week about what real integrity looks like. And I would just remind you that we need to live lives that bring glory to God. And our God is a God who gets glory from our lives when we live for Him. But never mistake, do not adopt the legalism of Eliphaz, Zophar, and Bildad, and Elihu, that you earn God's favor by being good. God cannot be manipulated, and He cannot be put in a box. We live to His glory, but that does not mean that bad things will not happen in our lives. In fact, God gets greater glory when we live for Him, and we trust Him, and are faithful to Him, no matter how bad our situation gets. I want to speak to you then today. Uh, we've been talking about who is God really? Who the real? We're talking about life as it really is, and I want I want you to think about 
Who do you really think you are? We finally come down. You probably knew we were going to get here. We, we talk about you and me now from based upon the book of Job. The Lord spoke to Job out of the storm and said, Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Who do you think you are? Who do you really think you are? From that, I want you to notice in the verses that follow, the verses that our girls read, notice the revelation uh, that is included in Job's discussion with God. Now understand, um, Don, you know, Elihu has preached up a storm. He's, I talked to you last week. He spoke out of anger. He spoke out of arrogance. He spoke in error, and he spoke in an abundance of word. Elihu had more to say than God did. And all of them ignored him because they had no right to speak and he came to the wrong conclusion. And Jimmy, I'm convinced that by the time God spoke or about the time God started speaking, Elihu was nowhere to be found. He left the scene. And now God reveals Himself and in revealing Himself to Job, reveals who Job is. I want you to notice about this that God gave no explanation. He gave no answers to Job about why things were happening. He gave no apologies for allowing those things to happen. And He gave no explanations about what's going on. Now, Delane, we know because we've read the book. We've read the beginning of the book and we know how all this started. But it would do you well to remember that when you're reading the book of Job, Job never had an explanation from God. And understand this, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what all of you have gone through, and I certainly do not know what comes tomorrow. But I will tell you that our God owes us no explanation. He is God and I'm not. He is God and you are not, and He owes us no explanation. Instead of an explanation, He asked Job 70 questions. Charles, I've continually, I keep thinking, did I count that right? I actually heard Chuck Swindoll say there were 70 questions, so I went through and counted them. I probably, you know, doubting Thomas, I probably counted those questions 16 times, and it's 70. He asked Job 70 questions. And he says, dress for action like a man. I will question you and you make it known to me. Uh, that's, Delane, that's a good way of saying, who do you think you are? You're arguing with me? Let me ask you some questions and let's figure out how much I know and how much you know. Let's figure out how powerful I am and how powerful you are. Let's decide who's really in charge. The other thing that happened in that, in asking the 70 questions, Terry, he took Job on a tour of creation. He talked about the different animals. He talked about the sun, the moon, the stars. He, t he talked about creation, asking Job, do you know? Did you do this? And the point in this is creation, Keith, more than pro probably anything else, demonstrates the knowledge of God and demonstrates the power of God. And Tim, 
He took Job on a tour of creation so that he would understand that, that God is all-powerful, that God is all-knowing, because he wants you to know, and this may be a repetition of that first sermon, Jacob, but he wants you and he wants me to know that he is in charge and he knows what he's doing even when we don't understand. Not only did he ask Job those 70 questions, but through that, Job got to see God as he really is. He said, I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. He gets no explanation. He just gets to see God. Listen, I don't know what trial you're going through. I don't know what's ahead of you. But don't waste that trial. Make sure that in the difficulty, that in the pain, that in the sorrow, that you see the hand of God and you recognize God for who He really is is when we see God, when we recognize who He is, we recognize our own weakness that we don't understand and we're not really in charge. The second thing that I see in the, this final encounter in the book of Job is repentance. In Job chapter 40, verses 1 through 5, then the Lord said to Job, do you still want to argue with the Almighty? Now this is after about the first, well, now I've forgotten, Charles, how many questions there are up until chapter 40, and then he finishes with the questions, but he's, he's already been through a majority of the questions. Do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You're God's critic, but do you have the answers? Who do you think you are? Do you have the answers? Then Job replied to the Lord, I am nothing. Get that. I am nothing. That's brokenness, folk. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I've said too much already, and I have nothing more to say. I think there are times that we need to cover our mouths with our hands and have nothing more to say. I do want you to understand that in all of his complaints, in all of his weeping and mourning, Job never sinned against God. Do not forget that. He says in chapter 42, Verses 5 and 6, my, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Get this, therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Job is sitting in the ash heap with his hand over his mouth with nothing more to say. He is broken. You get that? Listen, folk, in our nation today, in our churches today, in our families today, we have a problem. And the problem is there is not enough brokenness. 
We need to realize who God is. We need to realize who we are. And we need to be broken before God. Our nation needs brokenness. Our churches need brokenness. And our families need brokenness. Maybe in this service today, you would admit, I have come to a point in my life that I know I need to kneel before God broken and surrendered. Broken and surrendered to the service of Almighty God. He has seen God as He really is. And His brokenness came from seeing God. I'd only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. It's like Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, one of my favorite passages in the book of Isaiah. I saw the Lord in the year that King Uzziah died. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And there is a description in that chapter of the glory of God and of the throne of God. And Joe, I know you and I are both movie buffs. I've, w- I've wished that, that Spielberg would, Steven Spielberg would try to make a movie of Isaiah chapter 6. I'm not sure there's enough special effects in it, all the computers in the world, Taylor, to, to make a scene in a movie of Isaiah chapter 6 of the glory of God. But when Isaiah, Carl, saw the glory of God, he fell broken before him and said, Woe is me, for I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. When you see God, you see yourself as you really are. Some of you were around when Robert left. I miss my friend. I miss Robert. I miss Janice. But when Robert left, there was a move in the church. We were in a void of leadership. Am I really going to share this on video, live stream? There was a move in the church to get rid of your missionaries, Lynn and Brenda Rayburn. There was a meeting to try to get rid of us. Now, I've got to tell you, that was a painful, painful meeting. And I'm grateful for Jeff Foster and Jeff Holsizer who stood with me during that meeting. But you know... Something that happened in the pain of that meeting. Two things. Number one, one, I saw God. I saw God. And I want to tell you again, don't waste the trial. Don't waste the pain. Through all of that, make sure that you see Jesus. Don't waste it. I tell you, I don't want to go through that again. But in saying that, I need to say something else. Because some of you are sitting here. And the amazing thing that has come from that is that the people who were in that meeting who are still alive today are people that I dearly love. And they know it. And they love me. They are some of my sweetest friends. 
And I treasure that. We came through that. And God meant it for good. And He did not make me bitter. I think He made me better. You have that choice. Don't waste the ash heap. Don't waste the trial. Don't miss the message from God from the pain. Make sure that you see God. Now I want to make something clear when I talk about his repentance. Job never changed his mind about his guilt. Timmy never said, I was guilty and I deserved this. He did not say that. And I want to say, I think I mentioned this ahead of time last week. I, I was already thinking ahead to this message. I want to make this clear. When you turn on your TV and some Yahoo is on the TV and he's telling you that God had to bring Job to repentance because of his sin, when you open a book or a magazine article or you read something on the internet and they say that Job had to be brought to repentance because of his sin, turn off the TV, shut down the web page, close the book, he's wrong. And the thing that bothers me about that, Alan, is that what they're saying is that the devil was right. See, Satan said very clearly, God, Job only worships you because you're good to him. If you'll take away your hand of protection, he will curse you to your face. And that person who is saying that is saying that the devil was right. And I will not accept that. Because God said in the last chapter of the book, He said to Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, you guys have not spoken what's right about me. Get this, as my servant Job has. That's pretty clear, right? In fact, I told you on the very first Sunday, I put it in a footnote in the worship guide, if you're going to read the book of Job, read the first three chapters and then skip over to the end of the book and read the end before you go back and read the rest so that you'll understand properly who's right and who's wrong. And Job is not saying that he's changed his mind about his guilt. He's not saying, I deserved everything that happened to me. Instead, he's saying, I realize now that I deserve nothing at all. You get that? I'm not getting what I deserve. I don't, Delane, I don't want to get what I deserve. And the truth is, it doesn't matter, Sheila, how I live, how I serve, how I preach. It's not that I have earned God's favor. He gives it anyway. That's called grace. And the truth is, Jerry, I deserve nothing at all. I'm not claiming my rights, and I don't want what I deserve. I want the grace and the mercy of God because I deserve nothing at all. When Job saw God as it really is, he saw who he, Job, really was. Who do you really think you are? Me? 
Well, I can tell you that I am nothing without God. Job says, I deserve nothing at all. Shelley, he didn't blame anyone. He didn't say, well, if Eliphaz had, or if Satan had not, no blame. He made no demands, Billy, on God at all. No demands. And he had no expectations. He was broken. We need brokenness, Roger. We need it in our lives individually. We need it in our church. We need it in our families. We need it in our nation. The third thing and final is refining. In Job chapter 23, verse 10, If only I knew where to find God, I would go to His court. I would lay out my case and present my arguments. Then I would listen to His reply. Get this, I should have highlighted that word understand. And understand what He says to me. I go east, but He is not there. I go west, but I cannot find Him. There will be times in your life that God is doing something, and Jerry, you just don't understand what He's doing, why He's doing it. But you know what? That does not mean you cannot trust Him. Our faith is tried and tested. And He says, I don't see Him in the north, for He is hidden. I look at the south, but He's concealed. But He knows where I'm going. And when He tests me, I will come out as pure as gold. We need to understand the refining that God puts us through. And we do not have to understand what He's doing and why it's happening in order to trust Him. Will you trust God? Will you trust Him when things are going well? But will you also trust Him in the day of difficulty? He says, God knows my situation. Listen, God knows what you're going through. And He is with you. And He has a purpose for this. You and I may not understand that purpose, but it is a refining purpose. He said, when He is finished with me, I will be better than before. Refining. Larry, we're under construction. You look at a building, and sometimes the building has to be demolished. Uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines. Chip Gaines loves the demolition, demolition phase, right? And sometimes we have to be torn down by God so that we can be rebuilt and remade. i got a builder sitting here. He understands that. But Randy's pretty, hot, pretty tough when we're the building and when the demolition starts. It's like he's knocking off the pieces of us that do not bring glory to him. And he is wonder refining us so that we look more like him and we glorify God. The book of Job, though, is not really about Job. 
I thought one time, and I made the statement, I think Job might be upset, Rodney, that the book carries his name. Because really, it's not about Job. Mary, it's about God. It's where we really see who God is and how He works in our lives. Some have said that the book of Job is a myth. Others have said that it bears no meaning on our lives. But I will tell you that the book of Job has made a tremendous difference in my life. I read this book in one of the modern translations sitting at my machine in 3M Company in the summer of 1973. I don't want to know how old you were in 1973. Don't tell me you weren't born, Charlotte. But I read this book, and Kelly, I closed the book, and I think it was one week later, broken before God, I surrendered to ministry. Brenda and I both resigned our jobs and we moved to seminary in Central Florida. And our lives have never been the same. I know it may seem weird to you, but it was through this book, the book of Job, that God did that. I read the book of Job and I came away changed. And the book of Job is my favorite book, at least of the Old Testament, maybe of the whole Bible. We've been through a series of messages. We've talked about who God really is, who the real enemy is, who your real friends are, and who you really are. And I have to ask you this morning, will you be different? I read this week in my reading through the Bible where the prophet was told, you're like a man who's telling a story and people are entertained by it, but they're never changed. That is sad commentary. I appreciate when you leave the service and you say, well, I enjoyed that message. That was a good message. That, that I need the encouragement. But what I really want to see is changed lives. The, the thing that you could say to me that would give me more joy than anything else is I am different because of your preaching. I am different because of Faith Baptist Church. I am different because of what God said to me. So I ask you this morning, how will you be different because of what you've heard? what you've experienced here. Will you be different? Are you broken? Have you been broken before God? Have you admitted to Him that you are lost without Him and that you need to be saved? I'm not just talking to the people in the crowd. I'm talking to you on the live stream this morning. Have you fallen as a sinner on your face before God and asked for forgiveness and begged Him for salvation based on the blood of Jesus Christ, recognizing your sin, recognizing Jesus as Son of God and Savior. Have you been broken? Have you been saved? Why don't you make today the time that you trust Jesus?